How's everybody doing? Okay, so uh, I guess we'll just keep on talking about the, the flood here tonight. We kind of left off with that last time, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, it says in Genesis chapter 7, talking about the flood, of course, that all flesh died that moved uh, upon the earth of both fowl and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. Okay, God destroyed the entire world with the flood we saw last time. It's a worldwide flood that God brought on the earth. Now, the flood, of course, killed all these living creatures all over the earth. And what happens to animals normally when they die? If you shot your neighbor's cat and left it laying there in the yard, okay, what's going to happen to it? Is it going to lay there for millions of years and you know, the sediment's going to build up around it? Eventually, it's going to fossilize and be turned it? No. It's going to rot, it's going to stink, and then it's going to be picked apart by buzzards and carried in a month or two, it's going to be gone, right? That's what normally happens to animals when they die, okay? So that when we find fossils of animals all over the earth, it takes special conditions for animals to be fossilized, right? It does not fit the, the evolutionary mindset that all these layers of rock in the ground took millions and millions of years to form. Where did all the fossils come from then, okay? And what we find is that there are what's called fossil graveyards out there. Some people have this misconception that whenever they find dinosaur bones and things like that, they'll find a complete skeleton over here, you know, of a T-Rex or something, and then they'll find another complete skeleton over there. Most of the time, they're actually found in what's called fossil graveyards. These are enormous chunks of, of just bones that look like they've been ripped up and shredded. You might find a skull here and a tail over there, all kinds of animals mixed together, okay? It's, it's actually uh, not as common. Sometimes they do find complete skeletons, but it's not as common as these uh, uh, fossils like this where the animals are just, they've obviously been torn apart by something, okay? Now, in Genesis 7, it says that the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days, so the flood, when the earth was flooded, Noah and the animals were on the boat. All of these animals that have been killed are going to be floating around in the water, you know, rotting and, and being torn apart by the currents and so forth, okay? And eventually, the waters are going to settle down and the, all the sediment, you know, there would have been a lot of sediment, a lot of dirt, mud and stuff in, in with these animals in the water. And eventually, that's going to settle, okay, into uh, what this is another picture of a fossil graveyard right there. Those are all bones. It's, it's just a solid chunk of bones that they find in the ground, Okay. That says the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. Okay? So after the flood then, remember we talked about two sources for the water? The Bible calls it the fountains of the great deep, you know, the water under the ground, and then, the, of course, the windows of heaven was the rain. So after this water came shooting out from under the earth, it's going to leave a, a void space underneath, which the, you know, eventually the ground is going to sink back into those areas, and then the water is going to rush off the continents and fill into what we, what we know as the oceans today. Okay? And it's interesting, when you look at all of the mountain ranges of the world, all of the major mountain ranges run parallel to the coastlines, okay? And what that, what that shows is that as these, these, the oceans were sinking down, it's going to kind of like when you push a carpet up against the wall, it'll, it'll turn it. That's where the, the mountain ranges, I believe, came from. Uh, when you know, the ground was sinking in, it's forming the oceans. At the same time, it's forming the mountain ranges. And that explains why all these mountain ranges are found running parallel to the coastlines of the continents, Okay. So as the floodwaters raised, they would have washed the sediments into the rock layers that we find on the earth today. You could do an experiment yourself, get a handful of, of you know, dirt that has different densities of you know, stone and mud and whatnot, and drop it into a, a tube of water, shake it up, and set it down, and it will settle into layers for you. It's called hydrologic sorting. You can read about it in probably any earth science textbook. Okay? You'll get the heavier stuff at the ground, like the gravel and sand, Clay and silt will, be, will settle on top of that. You might remember you know, when there used to be such a thing called shopping malls a long time ago, you'd see those things out in the middle where they sold silly stuff, you know. 
Uh, the, sometimes you could get these things, it was like two plates of glass, and there was two densities of sand in between them with some water. You shake it up and set it down, and it settles into layers for you, right? There's only two, two densities of sand in there, because there's another picture of the same thing. But it settles into layers for you in seconds, all right? And this is exactly what we see in the, the land features of the earth. This picture's from uh, down in Breathitt County. Uh, where they blew the mountain away to make the road go through there, what do you see? You see layers. Now, if it really took millions of years for all these layers to form, why do you have, you know, a layer of nothing but coal, and then right on top of that, you know, a layer of nothing but shale, and then sandstone, and limestone, and another layer of sandstone? It makes no sense if it was formed slowly over millions of years, but it makes lots of sense if it was formed uh, quickly by the, by the same flood, okay? It, the same effect that you saw with the two plates of glass is going to take place all over the world. Okay, that's where the, the, uh, the rock layers would have came from. Now, today, the earth is 70% underwater. But if you were able to push the continents down, you know, which would raise the ocean beds up a little bit, kind of like a, you know, a balloon. If you push in one side, another side's going to stick out a little bit. If you were able to do that, you would find that there was enough water on the planet to bury the entire earth uh, two miles deep. Okay, so there is plenty of water out there uh, for there have, to have been a worldwide flood. Okay, now this guy is a skeptic. He, uh, this is Discover Magazine. So parents, you might want to use some caution before you let your kids read some of this, uh, these, these propaganda magazines and so forth. He's, he's talking about Noah's Ark. He says, okay, and then there's the animals. Where did they come from and how many animals were there? Most scientific estimates put the number of species on earth in the millions, which means that almost double that number had to fit on the ark. A few thousand organisms could barely squeeze between the wooden ribs of the ark. So he's making the, the argument that, there, well, there was just too many animals for Noah to have fit them all in the ark. Anybody ever heard that argument from a skeptic before? Okay, they have several arguments like that. So how big was the ark anyway? You know, next time you hear a skeptic say something like that, ask them how big the ark was, because usually they don't know. You say, well, oh, Noah couldn't fit the animals on the ark. Well, how big was the ark? Well, I don't know. Well, how many animals were there on the ark? Well, I don't know that either. I just know he couldn't do it. That's basically what their argument turns into, okay? But the ark was 515 feet by 86 feet by 51 feet high. If you go up to Williamstown where the ark is, uh, you know, Answers in Genesis has the ark encounter up there, that ark is built to the same dimensions that uh, Noah would have, would have built the real ark. There's kind of a comparison between the ark and a 747 and the Titanic. It was a pretty, it was a big boat, okay? And now how many animals were on the ark then? You remember that guy... A minute ago in that quote, he said that there were millions and millions of species out there, and there's no way Noah could have fit them all in the ark, right? Well, it says in Genesis chapter 7, they went into the ark, uh, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, okay? Keep that in mind. He says also, in the same chapter, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, uh, of all that was in the dry land. Okay, so immediately that's going to exclude things like sea creatures, fish, and so forth. They're not, they're not land animals. They're not on dry land. Noah didn't have to have any fish on the ark, sea creatures. Uh, he wouldn't have had, had any insects or bugs because there, is no, no, there are no nostrils on a bug, no breath of life. They breathe through their skin. Okay, they don't have nostrils of the breath of life. And by the way, bugs can survive a flood just fine. If you go to any flood in any area, walk outside afterwards, and what are you going to see? There's bugs crawling around everywhere, right? They can survive a flood just fine. They, they float on top of the water. They cling on to driftwood and, and, and what have you, okay? So no problem there. It says in Genesis chapter 6, when, when uh, Noah's telling, uh, or God's telling Noah what animals to take on the ark, he says, of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, okay? He doesn't say two of every species. 
He says two of every sort. Remember in, in uh, the first chapter of Genesis, he talks about when he created all the animals, he said they were to bring forth after their kind. Okay? So this is kind of a chart showing a, a, you know, breeding of dogs. You can breed dogs until the cows come home, man. You can, just, you can get all kind of varieties of dogs through crossbreeding and so forth, but you're always going to get a dog, aren't you? Have, have you ever produced a dog from a frog or something like that? No. Nobody has ever seen a dog produce a non-dog, right? So all the dogs in the world, they like, to say, they like to talk about missing links, common ancestors and stuff. Yeah, I think all the dogs in the world had a common ancestor, a dog, right? So Noah didn't have to have two Great Danes, two German Shepherds, two Chihuahuas. He had to have two of the dog kind, okay? And some skeptic might ask you, well, what exactly is a kind? You know, that's not a scientific term. But all these terms like species and so forth are just, uh, they're man-made terms. You've got to keep that in mind, okay? So the answer is if, if two animals are able to bring forth, they are the same kind. So you can breed a dog with a coyote or a wolf or whatever and get offspring. They are able to bring forth. They are the same kind, right? You're not able to breed a dog and a frog. It doesn't work, okay? So Noah probably had two animals, probably looked something like a wolf. And over time, uh, after the, the animals got off the ark, we'll see this in a little bit if we have time, but they produced all the dogs we have today, okay? But he did not have to have every single species on the ark. That's going to cut the number way down of the number of animals he had to have on the ark, Okay. Furthermore, here's a, a picture of an elephant with their little one right there. Now, if you were, if, you know, God, the Bible says that God brought the animals to Noah, so he didn't really have to do that part. But if you were to take one of these elephants on the ark, which one would you pick? Right? This is another argument. Oh, well, their animals were too big. Noah couldn't have fit them on the ark. I mean, these dinosaurs were 80 foot tall. How could he have fit them all on the ark? Elephants, which one are you going to take, right? The largest dinosaur egg that they've ever found was the size of a football, so how big is the baby dinosaur going to be that hatches from that egg? Not very big, right? Until they live to be, remember, we talked last time about how they were probably living to be very, very old, growing very, very large, right? Uh, but you're, you're not going to take the largest dinosaurs and animals you can find with you onto the ark, okay? So why bring babies onto the ark? First of all, they're smaller, okay? Uh, they weigh less. They eat less. They sleep a lot more. They're tougher, Okay, and after the flood, they're going to live longer to produce more offspring, which is the whole reason you took them onto the ark to begin with. Okay, so skeptics say, how did he fit all these millions of animals on the ark? To summarize, then, first of all, he only had to have land animals, no fish or anything like that, only those with nostrils and the breath of life, which would exclude bugs and things like that. You bring babies, that's common sense. And he said to bring two of each kind, not two of every species. Okay, so this, this greatly reduces the number of animals that he'd have to have on the ark. And further, You'd think, you know, if God gave Noah the instructions on how to build the ark, you would, you would almost think that maybe God knew how big to make it Amen. to be able to fit all the animals on there, okay? Maybe God knew what he was doing, right? And besides, how many kinds of animals are there? There's roughly, if you count just the kinds of animals, not the different species, but the kinds, there's roughly 8,000 of them in the world today. So there's, there would have been absolutely plenty of room on the ark uh, for all of the animals of the world to fit. No problem at all. Okay. So then, what happened to the dinosaurs? You know, dinosaurs are, are kind of a, they're kind of a springboard that evolutionists love to use with children um, to teach them about evolution theory. I was listening to a guy one time, say, you know, a creation speaker, and he said that he went to an elementary school. I think it was like 600 first graders or something there, some real big school. And he, he asked the audience, you know, kids, when did dinosaurs live? And he said, instantly, they all screamed out millions of years ago. You know, and these kids, can be, they can't even hardly read but yet they know this at such an early age, okay? Dinosaurs have been used for propaganda for a long time. National Geographic says, 
No human being has ever seen a live dinosaur. Well, how does National Geographic know that? Have they been on the earth for thousands of years to interview Noah and, and people that lived back then? They didn't ask me when they, when they wrote that, okay? So if Noah took the animals, you know, land animals onto the ark, then he would have had dinosaurs with him. So then question, is there any evidence that dinosaurs have lived with man? There's some really interesting stuff that, uh, that there, I believe there have been dinosaur footprints found alongside human footprints. Uh, there's, some, there's some really good work been done on that, and I, I did not include any slides within this because it's still somewhat controversial. There were some that they thought were dinosaur prints turned out to be something else and so forth, but I do believe there have been human footprints found beside dinosaur footprints. You can get with me later if you want some information on that. I can, I can give that to you, but I just decided not to put any slides on it because I don't want to present it as fact, uh, if, you know, and I still have a lot of research to do on that myself. But... They have found, this is from Earth Magazine, a medical pathologist examined dinosaur bone under a microscope and found dinosaur blood inside the bone. Did you know they have found fresh blood inside dinosaur bones? Okay, I was never taught that when I was a kid. They, th these bones were 65 million years old. But there's no possible way you could have red blood cells intact in bones that were 65 million years old. It's not possible. They would have all broken down, okay? This is uh, another, I was going to show a video clip, we're probably not going to have time to do it, but uh, they have also found stretchable, flexible dinosaur tissue, uh, triceratops actually. There's a, there's a film, it's a really good documentary called Is Genesis History? You can look this, they, they show this, this clip in there of uh, these scientists that discovered this dinosaur tissue, and they were, they, the, the evolutionists are kind of, still to this day are kind of in a panic over this. They don't know what to do because it's, again, it is not possible to have dinosaur tissue 65 million years old and still be stretchable like that okay there's it's a really interesting video clip that's some of the pictures they, but you on the video you can see the they show you the scanning electron microscopy sl uh, slides of the the intact skin cells okay again they, they should have broken down long long ago if they were as old as they're telling us now, i like how this this article says this find could force scientists to reconsider how all fossils are formed okay they will never ask the question Maybe we should reconsider when they were formed, not how, but they, they will never consider that, okay? So the word dinosaur then was not invented until 1841 by this guy, Sir Richard Owen. I believe he had some ties to Darwin and Huxley and some of those guys. But uh, anyhow, before that, uh, like for example, in 1611, when your King James Bible came out, the word dinosaur was not in existence. So what did they call these creatures back then? Throughout all of history, they called them dragons, Okay, up until relatively recent times. And we're not going to read through all these, but there's some books you can get. Uh, you find ancient, this, this particular one's from 900 AD in Ireland. Uh, the, some of the descriptions that they write of animals that, were, that they, were, they saw back then, they, they fit dinosaurs. This guy's talking about an animal with iron nails on its tail and a head like a horse. There's no animal really in existence like that today. Okay, but some of these descriptions they give of these animals, they do fit with dinosaur species that we know of, okay? Here's, uh, you see some of these ancient Roman pottery and stuff like that showing long-necked dinosaurs. There's, there's no other creature that I know of that looks like that, okay? And it doesn't look like some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the winged fire-breathing dragons and stuff that you read about in some of the other stories. It just, that looks a lot like some dinosaur fossils that they found, okay? Here's a, a Babylonian cylinder seal, same kind of thing. Uh, Babylon, dragons down in Babylon. We'll go through some of these. Marco Polo, you know, he lived in China for 17 years, uh, about 1200 AD or so. 
And he reported back home that the emperor uh, was raising dragons to pull chariots in his parades. Why would he say a thing like that? I mean, he wasn't making up some mythological story or something. He just, he just said it like a matter of fact. Yeah, he's, he's raising dragons. Well, why would he talk about the emperor raising dragons for his parades? Maybe he was raising dragons for his parades. That's, uh, in 1611, the same year the King James Bible came out, the emperor down in there, he appointed a post of royal dragon feeder. They found that in their, in their records, okay? Uh, here's, you know, this is just kind of an interesting fact. You go to a Chinese restaurant, you know, you get these Chinese zodiac things, like this is the year of the dog or the year of the horse or the chicken or whatever. Then, they, then all of a sudden they got the year of the dragon. Like why would they include 11 real animals and then some mythical dragon if there wasn't such a thing back then, okay? Uh, you find coins and stuff, guys slaying dragons. Here's the, you know, crest of Lithuania. This, some of these are pretty old and they, they depict uh, dragons being slain by some hero. Okay, ancient Egyptian shields, they got these long necked dinosaurs on them. Again, we'll skip through some of these kind of quickly. The Vikings did the same thing. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the Egyptians had dinosaurs on some of their stuff. These are the ones I really like. These ones are from the, uh, some of the American Indian tribes out west. You'll see uh, creatures you know, painted on some of their cave drawings and stuff that look a whole lot like dinosaurs and not anything else that we know of. This is uh, a you know, pretty good one right there. Okay, it looks a lot like that. There's another one. This one comes from the Aborigines. It's, they, they drew this picture somewhere of a, a dinosaur that lo- looks like their friend is inside. He got eaten by this big thing, whatever it is. Okay, uh, This is probably my favorite one. You know, that, I don't know if you can see that real well. It, what, what other creature looks like that? Okay, These are, these are somewhat ancient uh, rock paintings from uh, Indians out west. Okay, Now, this, this is a quote from a scientist that's, that saw that particular one. He says, about a year ago, a photograph of this dinosaur was shown to a scientist of national repute who was then specializing in dinosaurs. He said, oh, it's not a dinosaur. It's impossible because we know that dinosaurs were extinct 12 million years before man appeared on the earth. See how the, the evolution theory is a hindrance to, to research, right? They, they, they just dismiss out of hand that anybody could have seen such a thing because, well, our theory says so, right? Yeah. Uh, they, you know, the Spanish conquistadors, they reported that I, I didn't, I don't, I have some pictures of them. I don't have them up here tonight. Uh, you can look them up for yourself if you want. They're called the Ica stones. Uh, they found these stones with all kinds of dinosaurs carved on them. I should have put some slides in here, but there's just, you know, so much I could have put in. Here's, here's something they found down there too uh, in Peru. Uh, you know, they find mummies with these textiles on them. I know you won't be able to see that, but here is the, the close-up of it. Okay, I don't know anything else that looks like that. Could it be that some of these ancient people were familiar with, with dinosaurs? Okay, I think it, it could be. There's lots of stories about you know, Gilgamesh uh, slaying a dragon. Okay, you've got St. George, same thing. Uh, Beowulf, the story, you've probably heard of the story of Beowulf. It's interesting. If you're writing a story you know, about killing a dragon, you know, a lot of these are like guys that have you know, knight in shining armor, comes with his sword, save the fair maiden or whatever. But in this story, Beowulf, he kills a dragon by pulling off one of his front arms and the dragon bleeds to death. That kind of a weird way to, to talk about slaying a dragon. Until, you know, we, some of the fossils we find today, yeah, dinosaurs had some pretty small arms, some of them. Okay, it might be, I don't know. Anyway, the Bible talks about uh, different kinds of, of creatures that I believe could be dinosaurs. It talks in Isaiah about a fiery flying serpent. Okay, then you've got this fellow, uh, Herodotus or Herodotus, however you want to pronounce it. He was a Greek historian. Uh, he talked about going down to Arabia and find, uh, finding great, big, giant flying, uh, 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 what do you call them, flying serpents with wings like a bat. Okay, it kind of resembles a pterodactyl. Uh, Job 41 talks about this, this creature, Leviathan. 
you know, when the King James translators came across this word Leviathan, they, they just trans, they transliterate it, Leviathan, okay? It, it says that uh, out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out, okay? Isn't that interesting? You know, we, we've, heard, we've heard stories of fire-breathing dragons and stuff. Could it be that some kind of dinosaur was able to do such a thing? Job 41 says, his breath kindleth coals and a flame goeth out of his mouth, all right? Anybody ever seen a bombardier beetle? These things are pretty cool. They have, it's, it's a little beetle, and when they get attacked, they, they blow this stuff out of their hind end that actually explodes. It, it burns over 200 degrees Fahrenheit, and it, it scares away the, whatever's trying to get them. Uh, there's kind of a picture of the smoke coming off after this, this thing has just set this off, okay? They're really cool, but the way it works is there's two chambers inside the beetle, and there's two chemicals in there. When the chemicals mix, they explode, okay? Now, whenever this thing gets attacked and it wants to, to scare the enemy away, it mixes these two chemicals still inside its body. But just as it mixes them together, it injects a third chemical, which neutralizes one of the first chemicals so that when they mix, they don't explode. And then right at the very instant that it ejects this stuff at its hind end, it injects a fourth chemical, which neutralizes the third chemical, which lets the first two chemicals mix it explode. Okay? Now, could you please explain to me how such a thing could evolve? Not a chance. There's no... I will, live, I will sit there and, and get a cup of coffee and listen to any evolutionist try to explain to me how such a thing could evolve over millions of years. One mistake, one time, and the chemicals mix inside the bug, and pff, no more bug, right? So they find, the reason I bring this up is, you know, this is a little bit of speculation, but they do find dinosaurs that had some strange chambers inside their skulls. They really don't know what they were used for, okay? And the Bible talks about, you know, animals that, uh, dinosaurs that, uh, breathe fire. Could it be that maybe some of these animals back then were able to, you know, we know it's chemically possible. Okay. There, you can, I don't have the video, but you can watch it. They have high speed cameras now where you can watch the bombardier beetle shoot this stuff out and watch it burning. Okay. It's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. It could be, but the Bible says it. So I believe it, right? I don't need science to show that to me, but we do know it's chemically possible. We do find uh, dinosaurs with, you know, weird chambers in their skulls. I think it's quite possible that there were dinosaurs that did such a thing. Okay. So in Job 40, uh, it talks about another animal, behemoth, okay, uh, which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Now, some Bibles, some of the newer ones will say, if you can read that foot in there, footnote there on the side, it's talking about behemoth. It says this is you know, either the elephant or the hippopotamus. Okay, they, they make these claims, oh, that, that behemoth, that's just an elephant, a hippopotamus, something like that, okay. But in uh, the book of Job, it says, you know, lo, now his, it's, see, God's describing this animal behemoth, and he's, he's, when he's describing it, he's using grand terms to describe, like, this is one of the biggest things I've made, okay? He says, the strength is in his loins, the force is in the navel of his belly, okay? Now, again, the elephants, they say it's an elephant or a hippopotamus. I admit, the elephants have a pretty big belly, okay? So it could be described in that. The hippopotamus has a big belly, okay? Dinosaurs have a big belly, could be. He has a big belly, too, right? Anyway... <laughs> It says he moves his, his tail like a cedar tree. Uh, elephant and hippopotamus. Did you see on, on these pictures there? Is it, does, that, does that tail remind you of a cedar tree? I don't think so. What about that one? Uh, not so much, right? But that, I think that, that, would, that reminds me a little bit more of a cedar tree. Okay. Anyway, uh, just yeah. remember when you come across footnotes like that in your Bible, it's the text of the Bible that's inspired, not the footnotes. Okay. Anyhow. His bones are strong as pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. Okay, that, that's a Brachiosaurus toe bone right there next to a guy's finger. That kind of reminds me of a bar of iron. 
a little bit more than a hippopotamus. He's chief of the ways of God. Uh, he that made him can make his sword approach on him. Okay. Some of these dinosaurs, these brachiosauruses and stuff, they, they weighed 100 tons. That's like, what, 14 school buses stacked up on top of each other? Pretty enormous. Okay, the chief of the ways of God. These are some of the biggest land animals that we know about. So what happened to them then after the flood? The simple answer is they died. They died off for the same reason. Did you know that animals go extinct every day in the world? They, they, in school, sometimes they try to make a big deal about it, like, oh, my goodness, the animals are going extinct. Well, it's, it's happened for it, it happens all the time. Because new species are forming all the time, and old species are going away. Again, it's not evolution. It's just changes within the kinds. I hope we get to cover that in a minute, okay? But they died off because of the same reasons that animals do today. Habitat loss, overhunting, lack of food. Some of the stuff we talked about last time, I think the composition of the atmosphere changed and so forth. Okay, they died off. Because after the flood, the world changed. And we talked about that, that as the, as the, uh, the ocean sank down, I think the, the mountain ranges rose up causing great erosion features. Okay, this is, this is getting into the Grand Canyon that they try to use sometimes to, uh, again, to propagandize kids. And I, this is, I'm not going to be able to cover this, so we're just going to zip through this. But basically the Grand Canyon was, there was, there was a lot of evidence. There was big, great, big, enormous lakes that covered several states behind the Grand Canyon. And, it, it, you know, it, it, the water eventually rose up, went over the top, and carved out the Grand Canyon. That's actually how it formed don't have time to cover it, but they look at the layers in the canyon and they say, oh, you know, each one took millions of years, but here's probably my favorite slide on it. Okay, where is it? Yeah, there's the layers in the Grand Canyon, right? Millions of years ago. Here's more layers that you see, right? They all formed millions of years ago, right? But actually, that is the result of the Mount St. Helens eruption that happened in 1980. The exact same layering took place, and what happened? Same exact thing at a 140th scale. The, uh, the canyon that formed after Mount St. Helens blew its top. A great big lake formed in behind some of the, the ash and stuff that was blown out of there. The water went over the top, carved out this canyon in, in like a day or two. Okay, there's layers on the side, and a river runs through the middle, just like the Colorado River does in the Grand Canyon. Uh, evolutionists don't like Mount St. Helens very much because it pretty much disproves all of their geologic uh, theories about the Grand Canyon and so forth. But anyway, it says in the, uh, Genesis that the ark rested in the seventh month upon the mountains of Ararat. That's there in modern-day Turkey. Okay, you can, uh, even in Turkey today, they, they call it Noah and Gumshi or something, Noah's big boat. Okay, there's a sign actually over there. But I wanted to bring this up to show just, just one Quick thing about you know, uh, uh, natural selection is sometimes equated with evolution. They want you to believe it's exactly the same thing, and it's not at all. I'm going to give you just a very, very simplified uh, explanation of what natural selection is and how this would have happened after Noah landed the ark, okay, and how it does not prove evolution at all. Anyhow, if the, if the ark landed there, like the Bible says, in the mountains of Ararat, I've got these letters up here. We're going to do this with dogs, okay? Remember, Noah had, what, two, two of the dog kind on the ark, okay? I would have the capital letter A represent white hair, and the lowercase a represent black hair, okay? Uppercase B is going to represent long hair, and lowercase b is going to represent short hair, okay? So I've got a couple pictures of these dogs up here. The first one and the, and the, and the second one, male and female. They have, both, they have the genetic, those, those capital letters represent ge, uh, genetic information. So both of these dogs have the ability, they have the genetic information in their DNA to make both white and black hair, okay? They also have the genetic information to make both long and short hair. They, they have that. Now, you get into this stuff about genes. Some are dominant, some are recessive and stuff, and we're not going to get into all that, okay? But 
You can see just from the pictures, again, this is simplified, but they have all that genetic information available to them, okay? So when they get married and have uh, puppies, right, they can have, they can, see, the, the dog there on the left, that's one of their children, right? It's got all capital letters. So all it inherited from their parents is the ability to make white hair and long hair. That's all the genetic information it has, okay? See, genetic information has actually been lost from that dog. It no longer can make an offspring with short hair or black hair because that information has been lost. If it wants to have a puppy that, it, that has those features, it's got to marry another dog that has that genetic information available, okay? Over on the left side, I'm sorry, the right side, is the opposite. That dog inherited only the genetic information in its DNA to make black hair and short hair, okay? So again, it's the exact opposite situation. I know this is, I hope this isn't too confusing to you. It's, uh, we don't have time to cover too much of it, but this is a very simplified explanation of how this works. Here's a picture of three uh, tiger cubs that came from the, the same exact litter, and you can see the same thing. One of them's uh, gold colored, one of them's darker, one of them's white, okay? They have lost genetic information that their parents had, okay? That's how it works. So after Noah landed the boat on, uh, in, in the mountains of Ararat, some of the dogs are going to start moving south, where it's hot, down in Iraq and so forth, right? So the, the dogs that move down there that have, that have the long, heavy coat of hair are going to eventually die off. They're just not able to make it in a hot desert climate. So the only ones that survive are going to be the ones with short hair, okay? Does that make sense? So over time... Those dogs that move into that environment are going to, uh, they're going to have the same features because as that genetic information is being lost from that population of dogs, they're going to come out a certain way, okay? They're, over time, you're not going to have long-haired hippie dogs down there with the uh, big fur coats, okay? Then some of the dogs, though, are going to move north, and it's going to be the exact opposite situation. You're not going to have short-haired dogs able to survive harsh winter climates up in Russia and so forth, so eventually those dogs are going to die off. And you're going to, only dogs you're going to be left with are ones with uh, long hair, able to survive that climate. That's called natural selection. See how, you know, it's, it's nature doesn't select anything, but, you know, that's, that's why they call it because the, the natural conditions have determined which dogs are going to survive. That's all it is. That's not evolution. Evolution would require new genetic information being introduced into these gene codes by itself. Okay? So the... Uh, natural selection does not create any new features. The genetic information in the surviving animals is much more limited than that of their parents. It's, it, all it is is, oops, it's God's quality control method. That's it, okay? So don't let anybody, you know, bamboozle you into thinking that, oh, this natural selection somehow is evolution. It is not. If it was real evolution, you'd have to have, you know, dogs with A's and B's in their genetic information. It ends up with X, Y's, and Z's down below. Those, those, those letters aren't available, you see. So that is why, you know, don't, don't let anybody tell you that natural selection somehow is equal to evolution, okay? So, man, we're just about done. So, but this is interesting, too. I've read this in some things. It's, it's, again, it's speculation. But the Tower of Babel, which came after the flood, some people speculate that uh, the Tower of Babel may have been built by these people in order to escape another flood if God was to send one. Okay, I think there's some ancient writings that might talk about that a little bit. I don't know. That's not... That's not Bible. That's just uh, some speculation on some people's part. Flood legends all over the world. Don't have time to talk about it. We'll move on. The Ice Age was caused by the flood as well. Remember Saddam Hussein's little stunt he pulled in Kuwait where he set the oil wells on fire in 1991? 
this uh, science article of NASA, it says, as the volume of smoke spread out over a 200-kilometer uh, area to the Gulf, surface temperatures in the area dropped far below normal. So you look at the, the Earth, it's, it's completely full of volcanoes, and you know, at the time of the flood, they would have been highly active, blowing all kinds of ash and stuff into the atmosphere, which is going to cool the, Earth, the, the entire Earth down. You know, when, when Saddam Hussein did his little thing, it just cooled down that one small little area. If this was happening all over the world, it's going to cause surface, surface temperatures to drop combined with the warm waters that came out from under the surface of the earth. What do you get when you have you know, warm water that's, uh, and, and cool air? It's going to cause a lot of evaporation, which is going to cause a lot of snow. Okay, We're just, just uh, not going to really have time to get into it, but that's kind of what the Ice Age was about. So, and as, as that, a lot of that water was caught up into the ice, you can see it's satellite photographs and stuff today. They call it the continental shelf. I believe that was the old coastline. Okay, there, and there's a lot of evidence that the ocean levels used to be lower as a lot of that water was tied up in the ice in the Ice Age. And as it's melted over the years, the water levels have come up. Okay, that's what the, probably the old coastlines would have looked like. There's some uh, underwater stuff. That's at the bottom of Lake Michigan. They call it the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. Obviously man-made, but it, you know, Lake Michigan didn't used to be there. This is called the Yonaguni Monument off the coast of Japan. Again, obviously man-made stuff. There's a really cool one I just saw off the coast of uh, Alexandria, Egypt, where they've got all these statues and stuff, the Egyptian pharaohs and whatnot, underwater. Okay, the, the, the ocean levels didn't used to be that high. Uh, but I wanted to just zip through that to get to the end part here. Genesis 6, 5 says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's why he sent the flood. Okay. So God hates sin. He hates your sin and he hates my sin, right? That's, he destroyed, think about it, he, destroyed, he killed almost every living thing on the face of the earth because he hated sin. Genesis 6 says the earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. What do we see today? It's going just like it was in the days of Noah. And I know people that, that draw stuff like this. They make this point at the, at the Ark Encounter uh, up in northern Kentucky. But is this what we should be teaching kids that the Ark was, was like? You know, again, I know people that draw this stuff are well-meaning, but this does not show the, the, the reality of the situation. I think you know, something like this would be more appropriate to show, because the whole story of Noah's Ark is not to have a cutesy bathtub full of animals, you know, cute cartoon characters. The, the whole point of the whole thing was, was God's hatred of sin and his destruction of the earth. If you, look, this, I'm not going to, we're not going to go any more on this. I just wanted to tell you, if, if you are here tonight, if you've been listening to this stuff, Maybe you've still got a lot of questions. I've still got a lot of questions, right? But God is not just going to let you, let you go because you're a sinner just like I am. You ever heard of the Ten Commandments, right? We all know the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't tell lies. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. And Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Thou shalt not steal, Right? Uh, you should have no other gods before God. Has anything ever been more important to you than God Almighty, right? You know, and I know, we've all broken these commandments. We're all guilty, right? And God doesn't love your sin any more than he loved those people that he destroyed the flood, right? So the default position for you, if you've broken God's commandments, is hell. You will go to hell and burn forever if you have broken God's commandments unless you have a substitute, right? God provided a substitute in Jesus Christ, Okay, he sent his son into the world to, to die for our sins. He took the punishment on the cross that you and me deserved. Right? He took it upon himself because he loves you and me. He doesn't want us to go to hell. He said, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. Right? 
So if, you, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, it's, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved. Sam was talking about that at the beginning of the service to, uh, tonight, and I thought it was very fitting, right? Just simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he says he'll save you, right? If any, anybody wants to talk about creation or especially salvation, come see me, the pastor or anybody, but I hope it's been a help to somebody, and, and uh, thank you all for listening.